Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast. At Basana Health, we focus on whole body wellness, connecting physical, spiritual, and mental well-being. We are wellness collaborators with our members, and we embrace our community partnerships. Basana Health promotes holistic and functional care while focusing on transformative lifestyle changes. Welcome to our podcast, where you can take a virtual step towards optimizing your own health and wellness. Welcome to the Basana Health and Wellness Podcast, episode 33. Today we hear from Becky Barkey, who shares with us the importance of getting good sleep for optimizing health. Listen in, you don't want to miss out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Basana Health and Wellness webinar series. Today, I'm going to talk to you about sleep. One of the most common symptoms that we see in this office and Patients will often come in and say, you know, I just want to go to sleep. Let's talk more about that. Poor sleep is a big contributor to aging and poor health. And so it's an important thing to work on good quality sleep if we want to live well and be healthy. I mean, if there's one symptom that I can kind of choose to help people with, I will choose sleep. It's that important. A good night's sleep, what does that include? Well, it includes falling asleep easily, sleeping through the night without waking, waking up in the morning, feeling rested. And there's many functional medicine providers that consider sleep to be one of the non-negotiable essentials for health. Basically, it's worth it to do what you need to do to get a good night's sleep. How much sleep do we need? Well, this number is debated. For sure, it depends on how old you are. If you look at this graph here, babies and kids, of course, need more sleep. Teenagers, as you get to be an adult, most sleep experts agree that we need seven to nine hours of sleep at night. I do have some people that I work with that claim that they don't need that much sleep and they can function on four to five hours of sleep. And I actually don't really think that's true. I feel like they are maybe not being truthful with themselves. Like they might be able to do their job, but I wonder if they slept the seven to nine hours, if they would actually be healthier and function better. How do I know if I'm sleeping poorly? Well, some of this is pretty obvious, but If you're snoring, tossing and turning, waking up a lot, you feel tired during the day, you're moody, irritable, depressed, you have increased appetite, gaining weight, getting sick a lot, that could all be from sleeping poorly. Sleep really affects the entire body. Good sleep affects the body and bad sleep affects the body. It affects your brain, your heart, your gut, your immune system, your muscles, your bones, definitely your hormones. So it, like I said, it's worth it to try to get a good night's sleep. So we're going to talk about how sleep affects the different parts of the body. So starting with the brain, poor sleep will definitely slow reaction times, which can increase the risk of accidents and injuries. It decreases concentration, attention, mental performance. 
And there's a saying that a tired driver is actually more dangerous than a drunk driver. And there's some truth to that. And I have a personal story about that. In college, finals week, studying, didn't sleep well, had to drive home from college, and I fell asleep at the wheel. And I rolled my car, landed upside down in the median. The car was still running. I was not injured. My car was totaled. But that was all because I fell asleep at the wheel. You don't want someone operating on you that got a bad night's sleep the night before (laughs) or has decreased concentration, attention, decreased mental performance. It definitely impairs memory also, you know, increases your risk for Alzheimer's. And in medicine, Alzheimer's disease is definitely one of the scariest diagnoses, mostly because there's not good treatments for it. I mean, there's other things that are related. There's other causes of Alzheimer's, like blood sugar issues and insulin resistance and and that kind of thing. But poor sleep really affects a lot of things. You know, I I actually work in the hospital still and do a few 24-hour shifts per month. I have to promise myself that after working a 24-hour shift, that I will not make any big decisions because I know that I'm like maybe 60% functioning after working a 24. And so I can't make any big purchases, like certainly don't buy a car or make any big decisions after a 24. I've had to promise myself that over the years. Poor sleep definitely affects your heart. It has been shown to increase blood pressure, increases the risk for high cholesterol, increases the risk of insulin resistance, which is a kind of a pre-diabetic state. Definitely bad on the heart. Poor sleep affects the gut. It will alter the gut bacteria. It will increase the risk for digestive disorders, such as reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, constipation. Constipation is a a big problem. If you're not getting rid of the garbage, your body kind of gets reabsorbed into the body and the, the body isn't able to get the toxins out. Poor sleep will also contribute to leaky gut, which affects how the gut functions. And anyone who's done any kind of health and wellness work knows that the gut is such an important component of health. And if poor sleep is making the gut not function well, it's really affecting your body. Poor sleep definitely affects the immune system. It increases inflammation increases your risk of upper respiratory infections. It also decreases vaccine efficacy. When I was reading a lot about the COVID vaccine, wanting to just learn more about it, I remember being very impacted by reading something that said not to get the COVID vaccine after working a 24-hour shift. Because the poor sleep really impacts your immune system, my immune response to the vaccine would be compromised if I did it on a four night's sleep. So I waited until I was well rested to get my vaccine. Poor sleep affects muscles and bones, definitely lowers that bone mineral density, lowers pain threshold. So if you're tired, you will feel more pain. So sleep helps decrease pain. This one's obvious. Uh, poor sleep increases fatigue. You feel more tired if you're not sleeping well. Poor sleep definitely affects hormones. It causes the hormones to have kind of abnormal fluctuations. 
for women, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone also releases cortisol. You know, in this office, we do a lot of hormone balancing for both men and women. And again, sleep is one of the top symptoms that we find in our patients. Good progesterone can really impact sleep for women. Progesterone is a capsule you take at night. I have some women who think it's their sleeping pill. <laughs> and testosterone is good for both men and women and sleep. The cortisol response is also very important. Chronic levels of increased cortisol can cause weight gain and right around the midsection. And so it alters the natural circadian rhythms and can really kind of be this vicious cycle. I'm going to go over some of the contributors to poor sleep. If you're over age 65, you may have a tougher time sleeping. Most of us know that, but you know, there's many factors. There's a natural loss of melatonin as we get older, you know, it's, it kind of be, can be part of the aging process. So good quality sleep can be really impactful just to kind of slow down the body's natural aging. Certain medical conditions will contribute to poor sleep. Things like depression, anxiety, pain, urinary conditions, and it's really a vicious cycle. If you're having pain issues, it's hard to sleep. And then if you don't get enough sleep, it makes the pain worse. So that's a really hard thing to manage. So if we can do anything to get sleep improved, it can make actually a lot of medical conditions better. Some people have, you know, a really significant sleep disorder like sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome or other things. In these pictures, you see a, a guy sleeping with a little CPAP machine that's to help with sleep quality. Sleep apnea basically can cause an obstruction in your airway. And when it does that, you're not getting good oxygen. And so when you're not getting good oxygen, your body will kind of wake up so that you reposition and your airway becomes open. And so you'll never get into that really deep restorative sleep if you have sleep apnea. It's a really big deal. So I encourage you, if you think you have sleep apnea, to get a sleep test or get diagnosed. And there's some easy ways to do that nowadays. You don't have to do one of those really hard sleep studies. And you can definitely call our office if you have questions about that. Funny story, my patient today, who I saw today in the office, was diagnosed with sleep apnea five years ago or so. He told me that when he first got his CPAP machine, he loved it. And he thought it was like a miracle that he could finally sleep well. And he said when he first put the machine on, that he slept for 22 hours straight. He was very low on sleep. So he probably needed that sleep. But yes, 22 hours, he said. So certain medications can also cause changes in sleep and keep you awake. So better take those in the morning than at night. You know, this would apply to supplements as well. There are definitely some supplements that I don't take at bedtime for fear that it will cause my sleep to be disrupted. Certainly any B vitamins. So B vitamins are energy. You don't want to take those at night. Take those in the morning. I recommend taking vitamin D in the morning as well. D as in dog. There's a couple you can take at night, probably probiotics and omega-3s are okay to take at night. Magnesium is great to take at night, but I would try to take a lot of your supplements and medications in the morning when you can. 
Irregular bedtimes, any change to your bedtime schedule can cause poor sleep. So like if you're doing shift work, like I do, if you're napping, if your schedule is changing and you're alternating different work hours, that can really contribute to poor sleep. Definitely stressors or different sleep environments and jet lag or having a new baby can contribute to poor sleep. These situations are temporary, might be a season where you have some poor sleep, but definitely can contribute. External stimuli. This one we probably know, but if you are on a lot of electronics at bedtime, if the room is too hot or too cold, if there's a lot of noise or lights or pets or people, sleeping partners that cause you to get stimulated during the night that will contribute to poor sleep. A common thing that I hear from patients is, you know, their dog or their cat wakes them up and they have to get up and let them out or do something. So I would say maybe don't sleep with your dog or cat. I guess maybe that offends a lot of pet lovers out there, but if it affects your sleep, it really is affecting your health. So just consider it. Having good sleep habits, also called sleep hygiene, can really help improve sleep. Often there's more than one factor that's impacting sleep, which means multiple changes might be needed. And what I like to remind our patients is, you know, your body, it's not deficient in Ambien or Benadryl or Tylenol PM or those, but you might be deficient in some of these good sleep hygiene habits that we'll discuss. When the sleep bus comes, you need to catch the sleep bus. Do not miss the bus. So if you're tired at 9 p.m., get on the sleep bus. So go to sleep. Don't just stay up until 10 because you think that's the right thing to do. Catch the sleep bus and see how that affects your sleep. Having a set bedtime and wake time every day can really impact sleep. We must ensure that the bedtime and wake time allows for seven to nine hours of sleep each night, but this can make a big difference. Good sleep atmosphere. The room that you sleep in should be dark and quiet and free from stimulation. It should be cool, a comfortable temperature. I think it's a good idea to invest in a comfortable mattress and bedding and pillows and sheets. Try to remove sources of noise or at least lessen the noise with like a fan or a white noise machine, and that will help your sleep. There's lots of data on electronics and sleep issues, and this is a hard one. I feel that, in my opinion, it's impossible to remove all the electronics from the bedroom. Many of us use our phones as alarm clocks and we need to be available for some reason if someone calls in the middle of the night. So we can't really sleep without our phone. And I get that. I do feel like it's a good idea to put your phone face down on the bedside table and away from you as much as you can. Certainly don't fall asleep with the TV on or with a movie on or laptop. And if you can shut off the electronics at least 30 minutes prior to wanting to fall asleep, that can also be helpful. There's other sleep disruptors that can cause poor sleep, like eating a big meal prior to going to bed. Certainly coffee, caffeine, alcohol, 
too much water, bright lights, electronics. So if you can avoid these sleep disruptors prior to bedtime, your sleep will be better. You know, it's not an all or nothing thing, but if you can, you know, practice good sleep hygiene habits, maybe 80% of the nights, your sleep will be improved. Another really good idea is to establish a relaxing kind of wind down routine. Some people like to read, some people take a warm bath, gentle stretching, meditation, dimming the lights. All of these things can help the body get ready for sleep. I actually like that bath at nighttime and I throw some magnesium Epsom salts in my bath and that can be kind of an extra relaxing way to wind down. Exercise. So exercise and movement during the day will actually help you sleep better at night. You fall asleep faster. Exercise can also help if you're feeling tired during the day. One of my personal favorite times to exercise is right after lunch, kind of one or two o'clock in the afternoon when I'm feeling maybe a little bit tired. You know, exercise will get my blood flowing, get me warmed up and give me a little boost of energy. If I'm at the office here, I'll sometimes make the office staff do lunges and push-ups or something like that to help us wake up and warm up. So there definitely are some supplements that can be helpful for sleep. I've listed a few here, melatonin, GABA, 5-HTP, magnesium, all of these can be helpful for sleep and not all of them will work for everybody. Melatonin can be awesome for some people, but it doesn't work for others. And so you have to kind of, you know, use the good sleep hygiene habits, try the different sleep supplements. I think these are better for you than sleeping medicine like Ambien or Trazodone or any of those other sleeping medicines that are prescription. They're not habit forming. They're very natural. You're basically replacing deficiencies in your body and can be super helpful for sleep. As we discussed, sleep is such an important component to health. So if you do a couple of these supplements and you sleep better, it's worth it. Well, I thank you for listening to this presentation. I hope you have a good night and sleep well. The Sauna Health and Wellness Podcast is brought to you by Atagi Plastic Surgery and Atagi Skin Aesthetics. Check us out at atagimd.com. A-T-A-G-I-M-D.com. We offer plastic surgery, skin aesthetics, non-surgical treatments, and hormone therapy. Some of the many things we offer include Botox, dermal fillers, Exilis skin tightening, Kybella, skin aesthetics, all therapy, Vanquish fat reduction, PRP hair restoration, PRP breast lift, and hormone health. Follow us on our website at atagimd.com to learn about all of our specials and events each month. Some of our specials include monthly discounts off products and services or wrinkle-free Wednesdays. Check us out at atagimd.com.